Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, joined by Dr. Storsbach. And as always, it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear of your next migraine and, uh, and reliance on medication and thrive in everything you do. On today's podcast, we are going to uh, talk about Botox. And uh, Botox is something that we, um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those interventions that um, people will oftentimes go to as a last resort. And when we are working with patients, it's, it's not uncommon for them to ask us our opinion on Botox. And, uh, and then oftentimes people come to us because they want to get sort of get off that three month uh, repetitive cycle of taking Botox. And so we want to go through and help you guys understand uh, what Botox is and the, the usefulness of Botox potentially. Um, and then also, you know, when, when we would recommend it. So if someone asks us that in the clinic, what we would say, um, and then it also gives some insight into the underlying issue, uh, of headaches and migraines. And again, a, a lot of these podcasts, as we research and look into, okay, why does, why does our current healthcare system do this? Uh, and as we go down that road, it really just leads us back to like, oh, well, either they don't know, or it actually directly points us to this being a neck, a musculoskeletal problem. And Botox, as, as we'll see, will point us to that headaches and migraines are actually like a neck issue. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited for this podcast. I hope you guys find it helpful. We're going to start out Dr. Storzbach with just uh, going through and defining what Botox is. Yes. So Botox is a neurotoxic protein. Um, it's produced by a certain bacteria called Clostridium botulinum. Um, and essentially it's a toxin that prevents the release of a neurotransmitter. The neurotransmitter is called acetylcholine, um, specifically in the, the part where the nerve and the muscle interact. So the nerve has to feed the muscle and give it a signal to contract or relax. And it basically disrupts that signal path. Um, and that causes, uh, paralysis essentially of the muscle, um, a lot of people, I don't think, know this, but they might have heard of botulism before. At least I knew growing up, my mom canned tomatoes and peaches and stuff. So I definitely was aware of botulism, which is very rare, but a serious illness caused by the same type of toxin. If ingested, can you know affect the body's nerves and muscles and even cause uh, death. <laughs> so it is kind of one of those toxins that um, ingested in a different way can be, um, very bad for you, but what they've done is harness it into an injection and inject it into muscles to have a paralysis effect. Yeah. And actually that reminds me in, in physical therapy school, we, I think, I don't think it's uncommon for medications to have their origin like this, where, um, like I think, uh, warfarin and heparin were like, um, rat poison and, they, uh, the, the, I guess a gentleman tried like attempted suicide by consuming a bunch of this rat poison and like he didn't die. So they ran tests on him and found that it like lowered his like blood pressure or something like that. Um, <laughs> and thinned his blood. Wow. Interesting. His blood. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Really interesting stuff. So it's, <laughs> um, in this, in this context, uh, yeah, it, it's almost, and I think it's, yeah, it's not uncommon for us to get, um, something that at a higher dose or, um, is harmful to the body. And I think even, I mean, in small doses, even though there's not side effects, it, it still is disrupting this acetylcholine 
um, pathway, uh, it, which is paralyzing the muscle. So the, the nerve is not able to communicate with the muscle, mm-hmm. um, which when we think about medications, people tell us all the time that they, they feel like it's just masking the symptoms. And that's true. It's not, the problem is not that acetylcholine is, um, yeah, is transmitting a signal to the muscle. I mean, it's, that's not the problem at all. The, the nerve is actually doing its job. The muscle is doing its job. Um, the problem is, is deeper than that. It's, uh, and something that should be treated differently. Um, but that's kind of the mechanism of Botox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So from here, um, when, so let's say a, a neurologist recommends Botox. Um, what should we, what, what should someone expect going through that process? Yeah, so they'll go in and generally they'll put in 30 to 40 shots, um, sometimes in their face, in their head, um, in the neck, and in the upper shoulders. Um, so several, several different injections. Um, and they have to do this every about 12 weeks or three months is the average because the, uh, the, the toxin that they're injecting will be absorbed by the body. It'll stop working and then you'll have to do it again. Um, so a lot of our patients who go in report this as a pretty painful experience. That's a lot of injections and they're injecting something. So a fluid, which can even put more pressure in areas that are already sensitized. And what I find interesting is one of the most common side effects of them going in is to get a headache and neck pain afterwards. So a little ironic there. Um, but that's most of the time, you know, what you would expect if you went in for Botox. Yeah. Most of our patients that have gone through the experience, it, you know, it's not a pleasant experience. And I think that's mainly just uh, the needles that, that they're using. Um, although we, we use probably a, a similar, I mean, the needles are pretty small that they use with Botox. So, um, and with the dry needling we do, I, I do think that um, injecting like the, the, the actual Botox itself um, does provide just like that's, that's a more... Uh, uncomfortable situation than, um, like, like what we would potentially do to someone with dry needles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, yeah, just that fluid occupying space, I, I think that's just sort of uncomfortable, mm-hmm. uh, when someone's getting an injection like that, especially in the head and the face, uh, or the neck and shoulders, like these areas are pretty sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it, it's a pretty uncomfortable experience. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I've never heard of someone that, you know, looks forward to going through that process. Um, but there's a lot of things within healthcare. I mean, most of what we do is, is not very comfortable. That's true. Um, but it is, there is some irony in, in that. Uh, and we've even heard it here in the clinic where patients will have headaches or, you know, their symptoms will increase after, you know, within like a week or so of getting Botox injections. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what to expect. And then who's it for? So what, yeah. Who's it indicated for? If you have headaches or migraines, maybe you're trying to understand like why it hasn't been recommended or, or that type of thing. So let's talk through wh- who's it for. Um, it's prescribed mainly for people with chronic migraines. And that actually um, has like a couple different points you want to make sure you have in your history. Generally, um, this patient has to have a history of migraines and actual headaches. So they are distinguishing here between a headache and a migraine. 
and more of like that tension type headache has to be had on 15 or more days of the month and they should last four hours or more a day. Um, and so that's who it's kind of approved for. In 2010, I think it was FDA approved kind of more specifically for that population. I don't know if they always go through all that checklist with people. I think, it, like you said, it's kind of a last resort. So people who maybe only have 13 headaches a month, they might still be doing this with them. Yeah. So it's a last resort, I think, partially because it's expensive. Um, I, I want to say it's somewhere around $3,000 like per, um, like per injection or or per treatment, I guess, um, give or take. And, and, um, the, within healthcare (laughs) prices change, right? Like it changes based on your insurance and you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, it is an expensive process. And then the other reason it's, it's just a very uncomfortable thing to go to go through. Um, and so it usually is a last resort, but yeah, 15 or more, uh, headaches. So these are, these are chronic, um, like almost, almost daily, um, and then lasting four hours or longer. So mm-hmm. people that are getting it by these standards are typically like experience, like these are pretty debilitating, mm-hmm. uh, migraines. Yeah. And just a side note, because like you said before, how this came about, we should talk about is this is people normally hear Botox and they think, you know, like wrinkles in your face. And that is what has been done. You know, a lot of times people will get Botox and because it causes paralysis, you don't get those um, excess wrinkles sometimes in the face. And they noticed with these patients that had headaches that they were getting Botox cosmetically and their headaches were getting better. So that's actually just the start of this. And then someone said, well, we should just do this for headaches then. (laughs) Right. Right. And and we notice that with other things like propanolol uh, is another medication commonly prescribed as like a a daily med for people with migraines. Um, Same type of thing. It was like, Hey, this, this seems to help people with migraines. Um, And, and there are others, but how that works is uh, that they basically, uh, these medications are on the market for something else. In this case, Botox was cosmetically um, being, yeah, treating cosmetic issues. And and as a result, um, they're using the, using it to treat migraines. But the, the interesting thing is, so when you think of like propanolol, um, that is a like blood pressure, like almost like a heart type medication. And so with that, they, they say, oh, propanolol works. So this should be a blood, like a vascular issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But for some reason, when Botox helps people with migraines, they don't say like, oh, this is like a musculoskeletal issue. I think that's kind of fascinating. It is. It's it's very strange to me as a PT because it's kind of like if they noticed that immediately, you'd think, okay, there's something going on with the musculoskeletal, you know, uh, as a problem. And maybe PTs would be the best expert to address that. But instead... They kind of just went straight to the injection method. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, the one thing that Botox has done for us is I think kind of shown the connection between all the muscle tension, the neck, um, you know, dysfunction, tightening, tightening around the nerves and the fact that they're injecting, not just the head and face. Most of my patients actually get most of their injections along their neck and into their upper traps, exactly the places that we're working. Um, and if it does relieve it all, even if temporary, then that means we're, they're in the right area, but we need something that's more long lasting than just an injection. Yeah, absolutely. And we have conversations with patients and I think one of the challenging things about what we're trying to do is that, you know, it feels new. 
Um, and it's even in our name, Novera, I mean, new era. And so what we're doing is, is somewhat novel, but it's hard to explain to people how like it's, that doesn't mean like it's something that, um, we're, we're like making up or isn't necessarily tested. Um, cause if you look at this, I mean, it's like we Botox is, is, um, I mean, there's ads for it. Just about every medical doctor will say, yeah, Botox can help with migraines. And so this is something that's widely accepted that treats the musculoskeletal system. And, and I shouldn't say treats. It, it sort of just paralyzes. It, it actually paralyzes muscles, um, which is not treating anything. It's just sort of like shutting it off. Um, it's saying, okay, you're just not going to function anymore. Uh, well, but, but if we ask the question, well, why are those muscles so tight and tense? then it just leads you back to what we're doing, which is um, they're tight and tense because these people have neck issues and jaw issues and, uh, and shoulder problems that are causing these muscles to be so irritated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, with, with 15 or more uh, headaches, so the, the chronic, as they describe chronic, is 15 or more headaches or migraines in a month and four or more hours a day. So that's just describing like what we see in clinic. That's someone that's going to be very, like their neck is going to be really sensitive. There's going to be a ton of tension. And so the reason Botox would work is because their, their muscles and that musculoskeletal system, their neck is just always ramped up. They always have tension running through their neck and their head and their shoulders. And so it, it does make more sense that it would be more effective for them as opposed to someone. And we see this often where maybe they get like a migraine a week or every other week, but then in between they're, they're fine. And sometimes we get that patient and their neck isn't that sensitive. Um, it's just the, they'll sort of cross the threshold and then it'll reset and it'll take time to build up again. And I would imagine Botox wouldn't be quite as helpful in those situations, um, because they don't just have like tension all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other, like the tension type headache, uh, with migraines, I guess that's kind of included in, you know, who's it for is, you know, you can have migraines. And then if you have migraines with headaches, that's tension type headaches, 15 or more days a month. Um, so yeah, just really interesting. You, you'd think intuitively, like it would lead us to say, Hey, let's explore what's happening in the neck, in the jaw, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't. Um, okay. So how does this, um, how, yeah, how does this Botox and this understanding that it's a paralyzing muscles. Um, how is it impacting the underlying problem? Meaning like people have a neck issue. Is that benefiting the neck issue? Is it hurting the neck issue? Is it, is it doing nothing to that That type of thing? That's a good question. I want, it kind of depends on the patient, meaning, um, we do, we do have some patients, uh, very few that we would recommend Botox to kind of break this tension cycle that has been so chronic and so ramped up that, um, sometimes even, even working with our hands is just like, feels too sensitive. And that could be really helpful in the short term. Like I said, it only works for up maybe 12 weeks, even getting one injection to calm things down could be helpful. Overall, though, what I see consistently is my patients who have had it in the past um, will have some side effects, and then after just two or three times, they'll, it'll just stop working completely. Um, and to me, that's just the body learning potentially how to kind of fight that off a little bit more. So it's again not a long-term effect at all, and it's not you know helping the underlying cause of the pain. 
So there's also kind of a third category of people who will have almost too much mobility in their mid neck, but really you know, stiff in their upper neck. And so you can have both issues all along this area and they'll paralyze the entire area. And then they'll actually have a harder time stabilizing their head, which to me actually feeds more into a problem. So, um, not always is it a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's tension through these muscles. Um, not, not because you woke up one day and they just decided to have tension. They're trying to hold your head up. They're trying to allow you to move. And so by shutting them off, it's an approach that when you get to the point where they're debilitating and uh, you're just constantly having migraines and tension, then um, it it could make sense. And especially it it could make sense if you've gone through the more conservative channels first. And uh, so, you know, we don't we don't claim to get everyone better. Uh, We have a very high percentage of people that do get better. And, uh, we feel like we can help pretty much anyone. Um, and, uh, by helping, that means helping them understand their problem and helping them make better decisions in their healthcare, uh, that sometimes, uh, includes other types of providers. Um, in this situation though, that it's almost, yeah, it's very, very rare that someone has exhausted all of those appropriate channels before they're going into Botox. And hearing that you might feel, it might feel to you that you've tried everything. And so when I say that, it's not, it's not a reflection of you, the patient, not trying hard enough. It's more a reflection of our healthcare system, not providing you with the, the resources that you need. And so what we see is just, um, people that come to us have, they have no idea, um, these things in, in the neck that we treat, they have no idea that this is a treatment option or maybe their visual system or their jaw. They, they've never been directed, uh, down these, these different routes of treatment. And, um, and so because that rarely ever happens, we would suggest for most people, especially if you're just listening to this and haven't reached out that you try, um, well, one that you reach out to us, but that you try a more conservative approach first, um, because, this is sort of artificially adapting um, the presentation of your head and neck and shoulders so that the muscles uh, calm down um, rather than addressing the underlying problem, which namely is uh, restrictions through the upper part of the neck. So when you turn your head, there's, there's a joint that should allow half of that motion. That motion's not there. These muscles have to work harder. Maybe you're sitting at a desk or just have, yeah, we pretty much all sit more than we should. And so your head's going to be more forward and that, that poor posture, the forward shoulder position, uh, will lead to increased tension. So we're not addressing those things. And that's what we do in the clinic and we find great success with it. Um, because that's, that's the problem. Um, and it's, uh, it seems like a bold and daring thing to say, but it's just like, no, that's, that's the issue. And that's what we see over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not we don't feel like it's anything super profound, but, um, that's kind of, that's why we are so passionate about this message, um, because it's a fixable thing and we don't feel like Botox is really fixing it, even though it can be a tool that we go to at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So our next question was, should you get Botox? Um, and I think we kind of, 
we kind of covered that. Any other thoughts with that? Um, no, but I would love to go over this article I found. Yeah, let's <laughs> that do it. Really kind of helps because um, it's a huge like Cochrane database review of over 90 articles. So they basically looked at 90 articles. This came out in 2018 and um, they kind of just summarized it. And basically um, in chronic migraine, like we talked about, uh, Botox, it just says may reduce the number of migraine days per month by two days compared to placebo treatment. So of those people having 15 or more headache days a month got Botox on an average, it actually was 1.9 days less. Um, and then honestly, 60 out of 100, or about 60% of participants in the treatment group um, had some non-serious but adverse side effects. And um, honestly, they even said for people with episodic migraine, meaning not chronic, but maybe only a few days a month, which is still not great. Um, it says they remain uncertain whether or not this treatment is effective because uh, the evidence is limited and very low. But they had looked at 90 articles and over like 4,000 some participants and they still can't come to a conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty bleak. And that's, yeah. I think that's why people are so hopeless, you know, yeah. um, because even this last resort option uh, is not, not that impactful. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some people it can be, I mean, I've, I've talked to people that they, yeah, Botox has really helped. Um, but I think for the most part it, it's, um, it can be kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to go through our healthcare system and be promised something and then let down and then, you know, get your hopes up again and let down. And, uh, unfortunately when, when we see people, usually they've gone through that like a dozen times. And so it's hard for us to say, Hey, like we, we, we have, something that could very well lead to you getting, feeling much better. Um, it's hard for them to believe that. But I think if, if we started the entry point for our healthcare system was with this type of treatment approach, um, I don't think, yeah, it wouldn't be this discouraging process that people go through. I think, mm -hmm. uh, if it wasn't us, we could get them to the right provider relatively quickly yeah. and figure it out. Um, and so if you're on the, the back end of that and you're like thinking, Oh, Botox is my next step or, uh, Botox is the only thing that helps. I would encourage you to rethink that a little bit. Um, reach out to us if you haven't, and we'd love to work with you virtually uh, or in person if you're here in town in Colorado Springs and, uh, and, and help you through that process. Uh, because like, like we said earlier, Botox is a tool, but it should not be seen as your solution, and it should not be seen as something that is correcting an underlying problem. Um, because it's not, mm -hmm. yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I think that was a good wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. There's Botox, uh, from the headache doctor podcast. Uh, as always, it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence so that you can thrive in everything you do. Thanks for listening.